welcome to 2021. This is episode one of Dignity Leadership Consulting's new series, Pitfall, Leadership Pitfalls. I almost screwed that one up. But anyway, the whole way I got started in leadership was because I made a lot of mistakes. So I think part of learning is taking advantage of your mistakes and going back and redoing them, getting a second opportunity. So second opportunities are, are a big advantage. And then I was lucky enough to get into grad school, and I've recently got my master's in leadership, and I met some great people along the way. So I thought the only way we could teach leadership to people that are listening is to go through and get some mistakes out of the way and talk to some experts who are leaders who understand how to overcome some of our weaknesses. So with that, I'd like to introduce Brooke Coleman to the show. Welcome, Brooke. Hi, thanks for having me. So Brooke is an incredible person. I've known her for quite a while. And we've also got Jacqueline Flores in the house. Welcome. Hi, thank you, thank you. <laughs> so we need to keep the camera on Jacqueline today because she's got some, uh, she's got some production, some interview background, and she's being bashful now, but that's all good. <laughs> so anyway, let's start off with Brooke. So tell me a little bit why you got into leadership? It's a great question. Um, it's a journey. I would say it didn't happen overnight. And I, I think back on just my story in general. Um, if, a, if a cat can have nine lives, maybe I can have nine lives too. I mean, it has been, I, I started out thinking I, I would be in business, study business, um, went into to just a niche type of marketing environment. And from there, uh, at 22, started traveling the country and uh, managing individuals who were about 20 to 30 years older than I was. A big jump, maybe a little bit too soon. I had a lot to learn very quickly. Made a lot of mistakes, honestly. Um, it was a phenomenal learning experience. And full circle, traveled the country, ended up in Texas, Austin, Texas. Uh, and choosing not to continue traveling all the time, completely switched careers, went into education. Didn't wanna make a mistake in terms of really pouring into children's lives. Wanted to make sure that was the right move. So um, I was a teacher's assistant for a while, really took a big step back. Realized I loved it, started teaching, taught for seven years. And then again, made a jump back into business, first in oil and gas, uh, doing some trading and scheduling, um, and some doors opened. I think that is part of the journey because it wasn't expected, it wasn't planned. Um, I grew up in South America, so a little bit of that background is I am fully American, but if you were to ask me, I would say I'm Colombian in my heart. Um, I grew up in Colombia. Grew up speaking Spanish, not English. So these two worlds kind of colliding. And it all, um, I never knew how they would work together. I always knew having this language component was a huge part of me, this cultural identity, um, which was also um, a challenge in identity. You know, knowing who I was. Am I American? Am I Colombian? Am, am I, you know, white? Am I, am I brown inside? Do I like salsa? Do I like country music? Um, and this opportunity came up. I became a certified medical interpreter. In a, in a huge healthcare system in Central Texas. And uh, within seven months, I took over 
the company, the, the company's language department uh, covering 12 hospitals, 150 clinics, um, 13,000 employees. Uh, my direct department was a little bit smaller, but I oversee everything that happens at that level. So when it comes to leadership, it's been a journey. It's just lots of hills and lots of valleys. I, I think that's a lot about leadership. It, it is the journey. To learn, to grow, to lead, create a world of dignity. And as leaders, I don't think we can ever be done learning, which is kind of why I wanted to put this little series together, put this show together, and we can kind of talk about what trials and tribulations we've had mm -hmm. as leaders. At least I'd like to think we're leaders. Everybody's got a definition of leadership, right? <laughs> but um, it, it's, it's learning and it's moving on. But you've got an interesting background. I mean, you've done a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. And be, growing up in, in Columbia, to me, is absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. I lived a sheltered life. I grew up in Iowa. I think it's a foreign country. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's pretty flat. There's not a lot going on. There's a lot of corn. Um, you know, and, and I lived a sheltered life growing up. And I, I say that, I mean, I had a great education, a great family, but there's a huge world out there and there's a lot of things going on. And one thing that I had for an aha moment that I learned was that you've got to drop your filters. You've mm. got to start learning and listening and doing what other people are, are talking about. But how does, so from your experience, I mean, you mm. came from Columbia to the United States, to Texas. And I mean, Boston of all places in Texas is yeah. different than, it's not Texas, it's different. Um, yeah. But explain a little bit of that to you about how you've gotten by some of those biases and how you've done it. Cause I think you're, I think you're remarkable in that. Great question. Uh, you know, I think that um, you get over some of those biases by going through them. I don't think you get over the hump by jumping over it if you're going to learn something from it, you're going to go into the belly of the beast. It just, it is what it is. And so a part of that was wrestling with who am I? What is my work? And I think that is still a huge question in my life. Like, you know, you said, you, you know, just that what we stand for, what your definition of leadership is. Um, simply put, my definition of leadership is creating a world where people matter. And so how did I go through all those biases is having conversations with people and recognizing where I aligned with people and recognizing where I didn't and that it was okay. It was okay to be me. It was okay to look one way on the outside and not feel that way on the inside. It was okay for people to assume that this girl, you know, she, she's probably just a Southern belle over there and realizing, you know, oh my goodness. Esta señorita sí puede hablar español. This girl can speak Spanish. And, and what is this fire that comes out of her? Um, it took time. It, and it's still, you know, it's evolving. I, I think that too. It's evolutionary. It's not done. So I brought mm. Jacqueline on the show to translate for me so I could understand <laughs> what you're saying. Oh, she translated. She did. <laughs> and, she wasn't kidding and, there. And so what did she say? uh wow my my mind here she did say that she had a fire inside her right? yeah like, I think how so. is it that she speaks spanish um and i don't, I don't know now i'm all mixed <laughs> up here no but I, I think what's important here and you just touched on it is leadership isn't about anything else other than people 
Yeah. Right. No matter what you're doing, whether you're doing a kid's soccer team or you're doing a, you know, you're doing a ballet with, you know, your daughter or your family, it, it's all about the people and how you treat people. And that kind of leads to a topic that I want to talk about with you today that you and I had talked about in the past. And it was my leadership pitfall number one, which mm. is putting profits over people. Yep. And I, I see this mistake happen a lot. I've done it. Um, I've gotten tied into spreadsheets. I've gotten tied into P&Ls. You're not hitting your budget. You didn't, you know, make enough widgets this week. What's your problem? You know, mm -hmm. your electric bill's too high. <laughs> so you got all these things and everybody starts focusing on the numbers. And I wrote a couple papers on it early on in research. And, and I discovered, that's where I discovered the dignity piece mm -hmm. um, was, you know, that you got to make people feel important. And I think that you're really good at that. But do you have any experience or relation back to... You know, in the medical thing, maybe on people and profits and medical is all about people. But yet I hear about these hospitals, you know, making money. And then, yeah. you know, recently COVID was happening. I heard in Texas they were shutting down hospitals. Can you elaborate? Yeah. Um, you know, at the end of the day in healthcare, it is. It's about taking care of the person. We live in a world where profits are kind of the defining place of whether you'll stay alive or not. It, you know, so you're contending with a tension between profits and people. And where does that balance, you know, or where where is that place of just um, of, of um, finding that that beginning line, the baseline to build up on? Um, I it's funny you're asking that, Rich, because I struggle with that daily. The department I lead within this healthcare system is person-based. It's all about communication. And if you can't bridge communication, you can't really relate to the person. Medicine at the end of the day comes down to communication. You either understand what, um, what the diagnosis is, what the plan of care is, or you don't. And, and so often people walk away not clearly understanding why they were in a hospital, you know, what, what their plan of care is as they leave. <clears throat> And one of the hardest parts as you move up and just administratively is looking at how to honor the dignity of the person and make a profit at the end of the day. So, yeah. So I, I think some of the studying I've been doing shows that if you take care of the people, the profits are going to follow. And it, it sounds so basic and maybe too rudimentary, if you will. But I've actually gone through a personal experience where I was struggling in my business unit, hitting numbers, getting sales done. And I started on this journey with y'all. That's my Texas coming out in me, Kevin. <laughs> I, I moved from Iowa, now I'm in, Iowa. I'm in Texas. That's y'all. <laughs> sounds good on you. That's yeah, right. y'all. It sounds good. But anyway, <laughs> so for me, it was really about the people. Um, but what it comes down to is ego. And there's mm. so many people. And I, I think you're from Columbia, and I don't know much about Colombian culture, but I'm going to willing to to guess, and I could be dead wrong, Americans have big egos. Yes. Americans think we're like the biggest, baddest thing since whatever you want to have it, right? We're the best, nobody's ever gonna beat us, and we get these egos, and then we go out there, and what I've discovered is when you got this selfish attitude, it all becomes about you and greed, and, and then you start doing things like breaking down trust, mm. and people no longer trust you, and, and I think that, that trust is an important piece. I mean, do you have any, any can you help me? How do I, how do we build trust? 
I love that you asked that question because my notes have the word ego in them and a slash through them. Um, so, we're, yeah. so we're cutting out ego, right? Does that mean <laughs> you want to talk about ego, ego or you want to cut the ego I wanna out? I want to cut it out. I want to cut it out. Um, I think ego is a human characteristic. I think as Americans, and I laugh because you're Colombian, but girl, you're not only American, you are Texan, you know? And in my mother's like Texas accent would come up in that. I could not understand. Um, there is a beauty of being proud of where you come from. Absolutely. Because I, I, I really think Colombians are so proud of their heritage and who they are. And that is so important to identity and, and culture and building who you are. And when that, when that kind of seeps in to a leadership concept, into an organization to where you are so high and mighty that you cannot see what is in front of you, then yeah, it's time for ego to be slashed out. I think that I see this every day in healthcare. You know, you have um, you have people that spend a lot of time in school, and so maybe the fallacy for us is we we continue to get degrees. We all met in grad school, and it's been fabulous. <laughs> but at one point, do you realize? This is all academia. You know, we, we know the stats, we can quote, we can tell you what the science says, but where's the empathy in it? So I think that that is that balance. You know, you have ego versus empathy. Ego versus your true self, your true being. And can you take the time to stop and to listen and to see the person in front of you? Not the product, not the concept, but the person. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. And, and you talk about listening which is one of my favorite things and you both know you were there and you were there with me when i went through this journey when i discovered and i told you being vulnerable is part of being a leader right we've talked about that but i told you both that i suck as a listener <laughs> which also correlates to i suck as a leader so i knew i had to fix that and my aha moment was when you know we were continued down the journey and I figured out that, wait a second, I'm here to, number one, to learn. And then once I learn, I can grow. And then after I grow, you know, I can lead. Mm -hmm. And then after I lead, I can create dignity. And then when I hit that aha moment, it's like, how do you dignify somebody? How do I make you feel important, Jacqueline? Mm -hmm. I gotta listen, right? I mean, right now, yes, I am listening to everything you have to say. <laughs> and calling me out means you're paying attention that I'm still in the room, even if I haven't said much yet. Yeah. Um, calling me out, acknowledging the person, that's how you start dignifying. Well, which is an important point too, because as leaders, right, if we're walking around, mm. you know, it's whether you're in an office setting, a medical setting, we go back to the kids, youth sports or whatever. If you don't include the people, if you don't acknowledge them, you know, then you're not giving them any dignity. And I'll admit, so we've talked about this. We've spent a lot of time together. You guys know I'm a blue. I'm a diehard blue, and I'm working on becoming more yellow, more red, getting a little green in me, having a well-rounded wheel, if you will. And as a blue, we do a lot of things, you know, like, so blues are introverts. They build walls. They don't want to talk to people. They don't want to acknowledge mm -hmm. people. And, and Jacqueline, you can probably talk to this a little bit. I mean, you've got a good story. Um, one of your coworkers told me or told you that I was mean. Yes, yes, they did. <laughs> I don't think I'm the meanest person ever. I think I'm a really nice person, but explain to them, just explain to them about that journey because I think it's pretty interesting. Mm. So I guess the journey um, of that would have been, I got to know you before we started working together. We were friends before we were ever coworkers. 
Um, so hearing this current coworker let me know, hey, like Rich was mean. Rich was this way. He would he would come into a room, he would not smile. He would have an idea and he would implement it. Um, it was like you were almost taking notes all the time. I guess that's kind of how they explained it. Um, that's a blue trait. <laughs> that's a very blue trait because I have that too. Um, but I'm listening to her and I'm smiling because I know this is true. This is the first time I met you, you walked into our classroom and you were quiet, you were assertive, you sat down in a corner, you were observant. And I was like, that intrigues me. So I'm, I'm a little different here. I wanted to approach you and get to know what you were listening to, what was calling your name, what you wanted to fix, right? Um, but I then told my coworker that this master's program that we're doing, I was, um, it's all about the change. So I asked her then, okay, sure, Rich is mean, but how has he grown? Is he implementing what we're learning? Mm. What's the changes that have occurred here, right? So did they, did they are we, are, lead by example, are we doing, are those things going on? And I think it's, it's proof that you can learn no matter how young or old you are mm -hmm. and that you can keep growing. And I know Brooke, you've, you've and I had some conversations about some difficult things. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you want to add about this, about building trust? Yeah, trust is pivotal. I mean, that's that's the backbone of leadership and it's a backbone of a healthy group and a healthy uh, team, a healthy dynamic. I think with trust, you know, comes, hmm, I don't know, do you, do you start with that transparency, transparency and vulnerability to build the trust or are, you know, trust doesn't happen overnight. You don't walk into something new and just trust blindly. It, it comes from watching someone and seeing that their words and their actions align. So yeah, it's huge. So it's huge. trust is a process, right? A process. Change is a process. Yes. So you can change clothes, but you haven't changed the person, right? Mm-hmm. We won't talk about getting in. <laughs> we won't talk about outfits. But so to do these things, to make change, it takes time. And to build trust, for me, it takes a lot of time. And a piece of that is is consistency and you've got to show up genuine and honest and, and there's a couple other pieces that go into it I believe too that you actually have to follow through with what you say mm -hmm. you have to act on it and you have to show some compassion and, and you touched on it earlier mm. Brooke you mentioned the word empathy and for me empathy is a huge word and I never understood what empathy mm -hmm. meant for a long time and you had a couple conversations earlier. You want, to, you want to tell me a little more about what you were telling us? Well, I was just actually going to go ahead and, and add on to this whole trust thing. Um, it changes. It varies during, you know, what people are you sitting with? What experiences are they bringing up? And um, I can open up to Brooke really quickly because we do the, the vulnerability. Mm -hmm. But I can open up with you just as quickly if we're doing... Um, jotting down notes we have the same strengths so i connect with you in a different way um so getting to know your audience mm -hmm. first maybe yeah. before trying to open up and hitting those leadership skills um, or seeing which skills fit in with that group of people before creating that trust is what um so the listening skills so right? stopping Listen. and listening yeah <laughs> listen to listen. who, who they are yes. On each side. yes yeah. yes all right so you're a brand new manager you just got promoted all right you're both in this setting Let's do it's it. real life. Okay. <laughs> You're a brand new manager, or we've got, let's say we've got somebody that's listening, it's a brand new manager, and they want to ask us a question. Mm -hmm. And their question is, where do I start? What advice would you give somebody that's just been put into that position? How are they going to be, what advice are you going to give them to be successful? 
I say you start humble. You start you start by being open and listening. So number one, remove the ego. Remove mm-hmm. the ego. That's it. Yes. So where's that yes. sheet you had ego with it slashed out? <laughs> it's we right need that. here. Yes. I know. I'll, uh, I'll make a big one. All right. I'll show you in just a minute. Go ahead. So keep going. No, you gotta, you're going to make a big one. Oh, so I keep am. going. Oh, so, number one, so number one, you're going to tell somebody, lose yeah. the ego. No, you, you lose the ego. Um, you know, I remember a huge shift. Um, I, I was uh, at a company where we went through a massive downsizing. Um, and I walked into a room where I had been a coworker, a colleague. And I was now leading this entire uh, group, not only as a new leader, but as we were transitioning through uh, something really hard. Um, I knew at that moment I had two choices. I could come in, you know, guns a blazing. Just I knew what I was doing. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. Or I could stop and recognize, A, that we're all in this together and it's hard might not always be hard, but you recognize where you're at when you start and you acknowledge that you are part of the group. You are, you might be leading them, but you're going to learn so much more when you're asking, when you're listening, when you are, are really just feeding into what's already been cultivated and created. And then you grow from there. So you, you just hit my why statement, mm, right? Okay. So walk in, walk in and number one, you got to learn, right? Yeah. And then after you learn, you can grow. Yeah. Okay. So now you've got those two things. What's number three, Jacqueline? Lead, oh, right? Learning, 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 growing, leading. That, right? yes, exactly. I'll make some That's notes the final here. product for so my blues. Mm-hmm. You're writing some notes down for the blues. Um, so, day one, you're a new manager. What are you going to do? See, I approach it a little bit differently because I want to know them. I know I hired them for a reason, right? Assuming that I was part of this, this decision. Oh, yes, so you I, were, absolutely. <laughs> assuming um, that um, I was heard and maybe that I needed something with someone with their skills in my team. So I'd let them know that. It's like, all right, you don't have to show off. You don't have to try hard in that sense to remove the ego. Yeah. Um, so then I'd listen. I'm like, what questions do you have? What can I get you answered in order for you to feel comfortable so that we can have that open dialect, that open communication in order to get feedback versus, um, well, not versus, I guess, uh, feedback for them and feedback for me as their manager. Get yeah. that team going. Now, and, and I think what you're both are telling me is, is number one, people got to be first, right? So mm-hmm. we, we say leadership first. pitfall, number one, profits over people. And I'm guilty of it. I think a lot of other people are guilty of it. But if we could flip the script and you could help somebody out and tell them, here's why it's important. Here's what you need to do. You know, you need to build the trust. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have that. How do you build trust? And we've kind of talked about it a little bit today. There's another piece we were talked about it earlier too, is the empathy side. So I'm not sure if you guys know this or not, but mm-hmm. you know I geek out sometimes and do a little too much research. <laughs> but when you use empathy, it actually releases the hormone oxytocin in your brain. Oxytocin is a trust building chemical. So when you're actually talking to somebody and you're listening to them and you become empathetic with them and you're going back and forth, you start building that trust. They start telling you things. I mean, you guys have had experience. It feels good. It does. I mean, that's what it is. You start connecting. Yes, exactly. And and I mentioned this the other day at work and people were laughing at me. I said, you know what? I said, how are we being successful? We're working on the squishy things. (laughs) We're not working on the hardcore things. We're not working on the numbers. We're not working on how many widgets can we build. It's the squishy things. Are we giving big group hugs? Well, no, we're not doing that. But what we're doing is we're building trust. We're working on communication. We're, we're working our butts off. I don't think there's anybody in there that's not. 
and we're doing all these things together and we're learning as we go. So I think with, when you wrap all that up, I guess kind of in closing, what I'd say is, number one, you got to build trust, right? Mm -hmm. You have to build trust, absolutely. Or is that number two, number one, we got to lose the ego? Because if you walk in with well, an ego... Exactly. And I was actually going to add to that as well. It's the whole empathy or sympathy, right? I think we were also speaking about this yeah, the other we day. And um, it's, do you want to be equal to the individual or do you want to help them grow? So sympathizing with someone is just maybe understanding what they're going through in the sense of you're listening to them, you're hearing them and you feel bad for them or good, whichever the situation may be, but empathizing with them. Mm -hmm. You've either gone through a different experience that is similar to theirs. You know exactly where they've been. You're in each other's shoes. And now you can be like, yes. Hey buddy, this is what I did. Might work for you. Mm -hmm. Let's get together. Empathy is action, mm -hmm. isn't it? It's not just, it's not the um, passive response. It's an active response. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I so, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I've learned a lot about empathy and it, you hit it right there with, with action and it's not like you have to give everybody a group hug. And I struggled for the longest time because I am an introvert and I do want to build the walls, but deep down inside, I care about people. And as soon as I was able to break down my wall and let people get to know me and find out more about me, which goes back to another leadership trait, being vulnerable, mm -hmm. right? Letting yep. you not hiding behind a mask. And we can kind of touch on that real quick, but so many people will put a mask on and they think because they have a new title of manager and then they use the word leader. You're a leader now. And they put this mask on and they got to go out and they've got to do. And the other thing I've discovered is people don't want authority. Mm -hmm. They don't want to be told what to do. They want to be asked how they can contribute. Yeah. And I think that's a big piece of it too. And when you start doing that, that's another way of building trust. You're getting their input. Yeah. And for that to happen... You have to listen. Yes, absolutely. So that brings empathy back in. So, Kevin E., how are we doing on time? You are perfectly on time, man. I was about to give you a two-minute warning that you're approaching 30 minutes, but it's, you seem Boom. to have a good beat on it. Aren't we good? So we need to, so we need to wrap this up. You're going to cut this part out, right? Uh, <laughs> sure, yeah. You're going to cut this part out. So how do we want to wrap this up? We're coming down the last 30 minutes. I think we need to say, you know, True leadership starts with the person. It, we have to remember that it's not a product, it's not a thing, it's a person. For something to grow well, whether it's industry, whether, you know, it's something, I think it goes beyond industry, but you can't do that well without the person. We try, I mean, technology's amazing. Technology can't replace people. But mm -hmm. it cannot replace people. Yes. Yeah, that's Technology it. doesn't sell, sell products. Technology doesn't make people smarter. Everything that goes into technology is done. It. And, and you know what? And I got to stop because the way you just closed that out was phenomenal. And I appreciate you. So I want to thank both you, Brooke and Jacqueline, for coming on today's show. It was great. Make sure you tune in again. We're going to have another show coming up next month. Thank you. Mm -hmm.